Well, welcome to the Bridge Church. Um, if you're new here, we have some pretty nice people uh, that you can get acquainted with. Don't be afraid to visit with somebody and, and talk to them if you have any questions or concerns. Um, there'll be people up at the end. There'll be prayer at the end. So if you want to join in on the prayer, if you have any prayer requests, just let us know. Uh, we'd be happy to pray for you. Well, today, as he had told you, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Um, <laughs> so before we get started, can we just pray in? Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, for the freedom that you gave us in Christ. Lord, I pray that we'd have a wonderful time together in Christ today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present with us. Lord, I pray that you'd open ears to hear the word and hearts to receive it, Lord. And I praise above all, I pray above all, Lord, that you'd be honored today and glorified. Amen. Well, I'm going to start out today with a question for you. Raise your hand if you, come on, just feel free to raise your hand. Feel, raise your hand if you like change. Oh. There's always a few of you. Adventurous people, people who like change. I knew that would happen. I just knew it. So as for me, not so much. I do not like change at all. In fact, here in town, I have about seven restaurants that I can go to. And I just, nah, people get bored with that, of course. But one restaurant, I just have a particular problem with some restaurants. But anyway, I don't like change. I don't like changing where I eat. Clothes, I usually wear the same shirts. Just, you know, same ones, just different colors, same brand or whatever. I get like six or seven shirts like that. Um, I have these quarter zip pullovers. You might see me wear them in the wintertime. Now, I want to tell you I have about ten of them, so don't think I'm wearing the same one all the time. My wife said earlier, she said that I had these three-quarter shirts. You guys don't want any part of that, I'm telling you right now. I meant these quarter zips. Uh, so, so uh, and shoes. I'll buy shoes. I have lots of shoes. I don't spend a lot of money on shoes. I buy Skechers shoes. And I'll buy like three or four of the same pairs of shoes because I'm scared I'm not going to be able to find the same ones again. I don't like the change. I might not be able to get them. I even have uh, one, one particular style of shoe that um, I have three black and two navy blue. So I'm kind of a weird egg that way. But I do not like change. I don't like any part of change. And it makes me uncomfortable. You know, even we'll vacation. And when we're vacationing, after about five or six days, I don't like it. Because it's changed. It, I'm in a different place. I want things that are familiar to me. So, uh, I got a little illustration for you here. I'm going to take a sip of this water first, though. I have two waters here. Okay. I have a Kirkland, well, this is actually a member's mark. This is a member's mark. I'm advertising for Sam's, I guess, now instead of Costco. And this is an Arrowhead water. Danny, would you get this to John? John Barth, would you hand that to him? I appreciate it. He's right back there, I think. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> now, I'm not going to name any names, but a person and I were down here at the church, and we were doing... We were doing some work down here at the church. And, um, 
you know, we were, I don't know, maybe we were a little hot, a little sweaty. I don't know what it was. But anyway, this friend of mine says to me, he goes, I'm parched. He goes, I am dying of thirst. And I says, well, okay, well, here's the thing. We had just got a semi-load of water in, okay? There were pallets of water over here. And I says, you're thirsty? Well, there's probably 4,000 bottles of water over there. You know what he said? He said, no, I'll wait to go to my office and get some arrowhead. I said, what? He goes, yeah, I'll wait till I get to the office. He would die. This person, I'm not going to mention names. He would die of thirst <clears throat> before he had a, any water but an arrowhead water. <clears throat> I just want to say I don't call people out in church. <laughs> so I'm not going to name that person. <clears throat> a little side note, I, I, I want to start here, but you know, life is full of change, right? We have good change and we have bad change. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier in this, uh, the first service that how about the sanctity of life? Can we just get an applause for God? <clears throat> That's something good. That's good change. Uh, today we're going to be in the uh, book of Hebrews, and I want to talk about change for good, something that's better, better than angels, something that's better than the Old Testament prophets, something that's better than animal sacrifices, something that's better than the Old Covenant, something that's better than the high priests. I want to start you out by introducing you to this book. This book of Hebrews, and I'm going to give you a quick review of it. I'm going to go through each chapter, believe it or not. <laughs> and we're just going to kind of dig into it. Some we're just going to go through. I'm really going to dig into chapter 1 and 13. And the rest of the body, I'm just going to give you some things that you can learn from those chapters, hoping that you guys will have some interest in reading the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews was a letter written by Paul. Maybe. Maybe not. It doesn't seem like his style. Um, some people say it might have been uh, Barnabas or Apollos or Clement or Luke, Philip, Priscilla, or excuse me, Priscilla, Silas. We don't know for sure. Uh, whoever wrote it had great knowledge of Jewish traditions. We do know that. Now, since the scholars aren't sure who wrote it, we're going to say the Holy Spirit wrote it. And that this letter was God-breathed. Uh, now, we have an idea of the date of this. It was probably somewhere between 64 and 70 A.D. where it was written. Um, or when it was written. It was some time before the temple was destroyed. Uh, we're not sure where it was written or where it was to be sent, this letter of Hebrews. We think maybe, we can speculate, Rome. It might have been sent to Rome or to Egypt uh, or to Italy, uh, maybe to Greece. We're just not really sure. However, there's consensus that it was likely written to Jewish Christians, possibly in the midst of some persecution. Now, many of these Jewish Christians, they were reverting back to the Old Covenant. It's laws, they like the, the rituals, the traditions. And they might have been second-guessing their conversion to Christianity. See, it's true. Some people even struggle with change when it's for the good. So let's dig in 
to the first chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It said, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So he's saying here that God spoke through prophets. We know he spoke through prophets, Jacob, Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, all in different ways, in various ways he spoke to them. But God was making a point here that in the last days he has spoken through his son. And through his son, all things have been created. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, it says, Christ is the image of the invisible God and that all things were created for him and by him. In verse 3, it goes on to say, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Here we go. Jesus is God himself. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus, fully God and fully man. There was no priest or prophet that could do his finished work on the cross. We're sanctified because of the work he did on the cross. No further sacrifice will ever be needed for our sin. The sin we had in the past, when we sin now, or when we sin in the future. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. In verse 4 it said, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he had inherited, excuse me, as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You're my son. Today I've become your father, or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also said, in the beginning, <clears throat> Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They'll all wear out like a garment. You'll roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? <clears throat> Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, most of that that I went through is self-explanatory, most of it. When you get to verse 14, it says, Angels serve God as ministering spirits who are sent to those who inherit salvation. But they want to make a point. However, there's one superior, greater than the angels, and that's Jesus. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, 
verse 18, he said that, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. You see, at this time, there were forms of angel worship. And he's trying to make a point here. The point is that Jesus is superior to the angels. Now, I want to continue just to kind of whip your attitude, or excuse me, whip your, whet your, your appetite for the book of Hebrews. I'm going to throw in some tiny morsels and, and things from each chapter. I'm just going to pause a little bit and just give you a little time to soak it in. Uh, so here we go. We're just going to just, you know, I'm hoping that when I do this, you'll have this yearning to read the book of Hebrews, to study it and to uh, pray about it and to meditate on it. So let's get to chapter 2. And that once again, <clears throat> this was really authored to Jewish Christians, but it, it applies to us, perfectly applies to us. So let's, chapter 2. <clears throat> the author says, Pay attention to the teachings of Jesus, the miracles and the gifts of the Spirit. He says, don't drift away. He says, Jesus' death brought about salvation. He says, Jesus was tempted just like us, and he can help those who are tempted. Chapter 3 says, Jesus is greater than Moses. The author reminds us, don't harden your hearts like Israel did in the desert. Sin hardens your heart. And he reminds us also in chapter 3 that we need to encourage each other daily as Christians. Chapter 4, the author says, combine what you've learned or heard in Scripture with faith. Rest in the promises of God. God's word is alive and it's active. And God sympathizes with our weakness. How cool is that? He sympathizes with our weakness. He knows we have weaknesses. Chapter 5. It says, Jesus is greater than the high priest. Are you starting to see a theme here? Jesus is better than the angels, right? Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the high priests. And it says that Jesus was obedient. It also says in chapter 5 that it's time for us to grow up and mature in Christ. Chapter 6. I told you we are going to make it all the way through Hebrews today. Chapter 6. It says, you've heard the truth, now be careful not to reject the truth. It says there are true believers and unbelievers among us. It says to imitate those who are strong in their faith. And it says, God does not change. The world around us is changing. Right? But God doesn't change. He's the one constant that we have. Chapter 7. Jesus is greater than Father Abraham. 
It says Jesus' priesthood is better because it's a permanent priesthood. And it says that we cannot improve on Christ's sacrifice. It says God's sacrifice means no further blood offerings are needed. Chapter 8. The author says blood sacrifices cover sin, but Christ's sacrifice is better because it takes away sin. It says the new covenant, <coughs> excuse me, is better than the old covenant. See, the old covenant was written in stone. The new covenant is written on our hearts. Jewish believers, he told them, don't go back to your inferior covenant in chapter 8. Chapter 9, we're just breezing through. <clears throat> he said, the author said, without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Rules and regulations have never cleansed a man's heart. Christ can cleanse our inside. Chapter 10, a few more morsels. It said, Christ came to do his Father's will. It says, God has now put the laws in our hearts and in our minds. He said, if you're a believer, he will forgive your sin. It says, God set apart the first system to establish a better system. He said the priest's work would never be finished the way it was. He says, Christ's sacrifice allows us to become holy, a holy people. In this, in, in, the author says in, the, in this book that we now have direct access to God. He tells us not to deliberately sin. He says don't stop meeting together because it strengthens our faith. It says do not revert back to Judaism. He's reminding him don't go back, don't go backwards. And it says, the Lord will judge his people. And my last thought from the book of, of uh, chapter 10 of Hebrews is, persevere in the face, faith, excuse me, in the face of persecution. Persevere in the face of persecution. There's going to be trials. We're going to have trials in life. And we need to deal with them and know that God is there with us during these trials. Chapter 11. This is the faith chapter. The great summaries of the lives of uh, the Old Testament heroes that we know. I'm not doing it justice, but I'm just giving you a few inklings of what's in it. Have faith in what you hope for. Have faith in what you hope for. Faith in action. Faith means action. Faith does not require us to be intellects. He reminded the Jewish Christians, be like your ancestors and have faith. He wanted them to emulate them. It says, this earth is not our home. 
because we should be longing for heaven. It says we've received the finished work of Christ. And lastly, in the book uh, of Hebrews chapter 11, it says we will suffer for Christ. We will suffer for Christ. Chapter 12, there's only 13 chapters, and we're on chapter 12. It says sin hinders our Christian walk. It says don't be distracted. Fix your eyes on Christ. It says when you're weary, remember Christ's sacrifice. Don't grow weary or lose heart. It says God will discipline you. Why? Because he loves you. God's discipline leads to our holiness. The author says live peaceful lives. He also says don't be bitter. He says there's a better mountain than Mount Sinai. And that is Mount Zion. He says that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And that we should show reverence to God. So there we have 2 through 12. Well, 1 through 12, actually. We read the first one. So now we're on chapter 13. I'll just get a little bit more in depth in chapter 13. It says, finally, it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Okay, the key here is love. You know, when I see you guys, I know a lot of you or I've met some of you. I just feel this philo love. That's a brother and sisterly love for you. You know, sometimes love goes deeper than that, but it's a philo love. It's a love that I care about you. I care about the people in this church. I truly do. And see, when, we, when we're together and we're loving one another, it creates, creates a unity. It really does, and it strengthens our faith. See, these Christians were to be as a family, caring and encouraging each other, just like a family does, right? In verse 2, it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing, excuse me, by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Hospitality. What's hospitality? Hospitality, hospitality can be something as simple as having a meal at your house with somebody. Inviting them into your home and making them feel comfortable. You've got to remember the Christians of, these, of this time, they did a lot of traveling. They did a, little, a lot of walking. You know, they didn't have to worry about gas prices, by the way. But they did all this, all this walking and traveling. So if somebody invited you into the home, that was really hospitable to do. That was awesome. You know, and it talks about entertaining angels. You know, Abraham and Lot, they entertained angels. They didn't even know what was happening. And we have that same opportunity. If we're hospitable, someone's sitting beside us at our house, we don't know. They could be angels. In verse 3, it says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. <laughs> and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. Can you imagine at this time how fearful you might have been to visit someone in prison? You know, you weren't going to go up there with your New Testament lingo now. Hey, I'm Brother Mike. I'm here to visit Brother Paul. Why? Because you'd be with your brother probably incarcerated. 
But it says that they hope that you will spend time maybe sending letters to your brother in Christ or sister in Christ that's in prison. Visit them if you can. Pray for them. It took a lot of courage to go try to see somebody in prison. See, if a family member is suffering or often hurt, can't we kind of feel that as a family? Don't we have that empathy? If it's truly your, your son or your daughter and they get hurt, you just have this feeling inside. You love them and you don't want them to suffer. So he wants us to have empathy like that. And that really goes back to love each other. You know, today we have prison ministries, of course. There's prison ministries as well, right? And that's try to bring hope to those people who are incarcerated. A future hope that only comes through a relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. That's a hard statement. If you're having sex before you are married, that's what they're talking about here. Do not do it. Marriage should be honored by all. And you should not be sexually immoral. You should be faithful to your wife or to your husband. And be caring and be kind. Be loving to your spouse. You know, I can say one stupid thing and it can hurt my wife all day long. Might even go into two days. But just a stupid thing, not personal, not to hurt her, but just say a stupid thing. I'm just not sometimes in tune to what I should be thinking. And to be in tune to what, what I'm thinking, I need to be more sensitive to her needs. I need to pray for her. I mean, we need to be examples to our kids, our adult kids, our young kids, as far as marriage goes. We should be able to show them what a healthy Christian marriage looks like. A marriage that is God-centered, not self-centered. Just remember, our kids are watching us. Verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Trust God for your needs. Trust God for your needs. Not your wants, but for your needs. Be thankful for what you have rather than resentful for what you're missing out on. Remember in the book of Timothy, it says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Those who crave for it have wandered away from the faith. I'm not hammering on money. It's great to have wealth. It's what you do with it and how you treat it. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. That isn't, that isn't the point they're making here. They're just making sure that that isn't your goal. In Philippians, Paul said, in all situation, he had learned to be content. I wish that were me. I wish in every situation I was content, but I'm not. It continues in verse 6. It says, so we with confidence, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? No matter how bad things are in our lives, we should be encouraged, God will not abandon us. 
He will not fail to provide our needs. Trust God. Just have confidence in that provision. Verse 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate your mentors. Follow their lead. As they remain faithful in God's word, you will too. See, if the recipients of this letter would stay stronger in their faith by emulating great mentors, God-fearing mentors, those who spoke of the new covenant to them, they would have been looking forward and they wouldn't be looking backwards. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. The world around us, once again, it's twirling and it's changing. But there's one constant, that's Jesus Christ. Trust him, trust his teaching, because they don't change. Verse 9 says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do it. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Don't fall for strange teachings. Remember I talked about angel worship? That's a strange teaching. Don't stray away from the word of God. Don't fall back into rituals, food practices of the old covenant. See, at one time there were these Judaizers. And these Judaizers were Jewish Christians. And they were trying to talk other Jewish Christians into going back into the old law and following the rituals of the old law and being circumcised. Oh, you're a Christian now. Come get circumcised. No. Don't go backwards. Don't fall for those, those type of teachings. Also, let me get here. Don't fall for false religions that stress, excuse me, that stress work for salvation and not God's wonderful grace and mercy. Verse 11 says, The high priest carries the blood of the animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. He's making a point here that there's a new covenant, a better covenant, outside the camp, outside the system of the old law, the Levitical law. Uh, There's a better priesthood. There's a better sacrifice. There's a permanent sacrifice outside that city gate, and that's Jesus Christ. This sacrifice is the only sacrifice, I'll repeat, that will make you holy. Verse 14 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for a city that is to come. Right here, Idaho Falls, this is not our home. This is a temporary home. Our vessel's here temporarily. We should be in the world but not of the world. We're aliens waiting for a new permanent home with Christ. Verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Honor him. You can honor him with songs of praise like we did earlier. Praise him when you wake up, Throughout the day, when you go to bed, raise your hands in praise to him. 
the key is to honor him, praise him with reverence. Verse 16 says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. God is pleased. Do good and share. Voluntarily offer yourself for service to others. Doing this honors God. I have this Bible. It's called the Fire Bible. I want to read this to you. And I think this just says it very well. I don't know how I could say it better. It says, the place where praise and worship truly become a sacrifice? See, because it isn't here. It's outside the church where Christians must demonstrate their devotion to God and live in a way that truly brings honor and praise to God in all that we say and do. Verse 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Leaders in the church should have your best interest in mind. They should want you to come to maturity in Christ. So be cooperative with them. Just remember this. They're going to be accountable for their instruction. I am going to be accountable for what I say to you guys today. I'm not saying I'm a leader of the church. I'm just saying I'm going to be accountable for what I'm talking to you guys about today. And that scares me. It makes me very fearful. Verse 18 says, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored. Now, may the God of peace, he ends this, he ends this in verse 20 through 25. This is his conclusion. He says, now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, that he'd equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with me my word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. He considered this Hebrew letter short. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I'll come with you. I'll come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you. Verse 1 through 10 talked about the supremacy of Christ over angels, over Moses, over the prophets, over sacrifice. The last three chapters were faith chapters. <clears throat> now this letter, like I said earlier, was, was likely addressed to Jewish Christians who wanted to go back to Judaism. Why? Why would they do that? Might have been because they were used to it. They were used to structure, the, the regulations, the ritual worship. Maybe it was because of the honor they received in their Jewish community. Maybe they were afraid of change. Maybe they were afraid of persecution. However, teetering on the fence with thoughts of going back to their old system meant that their salvation was at stake. 
See, they had all the information now that they had needed to move forward. They needed just to remember that they had something greater than their old covenant, greater than their old sacrifices, greater than their prophets, greater than their high priest, greater than the angels. They had Jesus. You know, there are some of us here, maybe in in our presence today, that don't like change. Not even spiritual change. You might be thinking, why do I want to rock the boat? Why would I want to shake things up? Everything's going good for me. Why make a change for Christ? I don't need to change, see, because my heart has never been hardened. I come to church every Sunday. I only fall asleep half the time. I'm always friendly to everybody. I go to all the church functions. I bow my head when the pastor prays. I post Christian sayings on Facebook. I have a fish on my car. Really? I'm always here for communion. I do my best to follow the Ten Commandments. I bring my kids every Sunday to Sunday school. And I volunteer my time. I was baptized. I read along to God's word when it's up on the screen in church. That should be enough. How much more does God want from me? Well, what he wants from you is he wants a personal relationship. He wants to hear from you in prayer. He wants you to talk to him. He wants us to seek him in his word. Doesn't he? And he wants us to walk with him in obedience every single day. Because you know what he offers us? He offers us a greater hope, greater discernment, greater protection, a greater life, a greater plan, a greater joy, a greater peace, and a greater love. You know what kind of love that is? It's a kind of love that would die on a cross and shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven and have eternal life. So please, don't let your relationship with God become a ritualistic one. Don't go back to the way that you lived before you met Christ and knew him. God wants you to walk beside him at home, at work, everywhere you go. He wants you to praise him when you wake up in the morning, praise him during the day, and praise him when you go to bed. Because what he wants to do is he wants to help you go from milk to solid food because he loves you. I hope that you take some of these things that I talked about today and grab your Bible and look in the book of Hebrews. It'll challenge you. It'll surprise you. It'll strengthen your faith. Let's pray out if we could. Dear Heavenly Father, you are an awesome, wonderful God. A God that has allowed us to be in this building today freely. Not have to worry about persecution this day. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all those things that you do for us each day, Lord, that we don't even recognize. Lord, I pray that we'd be a people that would praise you in the morning, 
praise you in the afternoon, the night, and all day through, Jesus. Lord, have us grow in your word. Have us go from milk to solid food. Have us search the scriptures. Have us pray each day. Lord, I pray that we just have a relationship with Christ that's just beyond what we could have ever imagined. Lord, there's people suffering in this place today. They're suffering with health, maybe health issues. Maybe their marriages are on the rocks a little bit. Maybe their finances are in the tank. Lord, I pray that they could feel your presence and know that you are there and that you love them and you will care for them and you will provide them for them and there would be a provision for them. If there are those out in this place today that have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be that day. I pray that you heard something in this message today that made you want to love Jesus more than you loved him before that you would maybe come to him when you've rejected that message before. I pray for those people. I pray that they would come to Jesus today. We want to thank you, Lord, for this freedom that you've given us, this freedom in Christ. And we want to thank you for this day. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. Um, there will be some prayer partners up here to pray with you if you guys have some needs and, and some concerns you want to talk about. If, if you accepted Christ today and you wanted to talk to somebody, come on up. Have a great day.